What's up, guys? It's Arav. And this is Arsh. And welcome or welcome back to the Two Brothers in Their Sports podcast. We have another incredible show lineup for you guys. Hope you had a really good Thanksgiving. We're going to start off by talking about a recap of the actual Thanksgiving NFL games, um, like week 12 th- that week. We're also going to talk about our playoff and Super Bowl picks. Um, and then our next segment is Lincoln Riley being hired away from Oklahoma to go to USC. And Brian Kelly, the same thing, to go to uh, LSU. What impacts those have and which is a better job for both. Also, we're going to do our weekly segment, Two Brothers, Two Picks, to close out the episode to help you guys pick people you should start this week in your fantasy football lineup to win your games. So, my biggest surprise is going to be the Buccaneers beating the Colts 38-31. to I thought that this would happen, but what was crazy to me is that Leonard Fournette had four touchdowns overall. He was second in for the for the team in receiving yards, tied for first with the most um with the most receptions, and then rushing he had a, over a, he had a, exactly a hundred yards and three rushing touchdowns, and he probably would have had four rushing touchdowns if Ronald Jones didn't get that one with only seven carries. It looks like Lenny is now the lead back, and for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is still dominated, but. He he had four receptions for 14 yards, not bad. And he had 16 carries for 83 yards and a touchdown, also not bad. But for his standards... I don't know if you guys watched that game too, but what happened in the beginning was they were really going through Jonathan Taylor, got behind, and Carson Wentz was having a bunch of success through the air because obviously the Buccaneers were trying to prevent Jonathan Taylor from going crazy. So then they stick to that... Uh, the. Colts stick to the throwing scheme. It starts working. Then in the second half, they they still keep throwing, and it really goes. It doesn't go well for Carson Wentz. He starts throwing interceptions. They give Jonathan Taylor, I think, three carries in a row in the fourth quarter. Five on one drive. He had almost. I think he had about 50 yards on that drive on five carries. He got the touchdown. So it really shows how big of a part Jonathan Taylor is. And if you ask me, I think he's gonna come in top two MVP voting. I don't think he'll be number one because top it's so. Two? I don't think it's. I don't think he'll be number one because it's so dominated by quarterbacks. But, but definitely two? number two. Yes, he's such a valuable part of the Colts. If you get rid of the Colts, Aaron Rodgers, of the Colts. Aaron, okay, Aaron Rodgers. What about Aaron Rodgers? For MVP, Aaron Rodgers. What about Aaron Rodgers? What about Tom Brady? No, I'm. That's why I said not. You said top two. Yeah, top two. Tom Brady will be first. Jonathan Taylor will be second. You said Tom Brady will be first over Aaron Rodgers, and you say Aaron Rodgers. Yes, that's what I said. Aaron Rodgers is a front runner right now. No, Jonathan. Okay, maybe he is, but this is what I believe. And Jonathan Taylor is the most valuable. Jonathan Taylor is the most valuable person on any team in the in the NFL. He's not the most valuable player. Tom Brady is more valuable to the Bucks than Jonathan Taylor. Really? Because you just told me Leonard Fournette's really really good. That's what you just told me. No, he just had one good game. You also told that you also look at also look at the Bucks wide receiver core. They don't really. Okay, Tom Brady's a goat. What about when he was winning all those championships with no wide receiving core? Okay, what about let's that? let's not get off. The, let's not no, get off. You, the M- no, MVP. no, no. Hold on. But, no, hold on. You think that Jonathan Taylor is more valuable to the Colts than Tom Brady is to the Bucks? Then yes, that's what I think. That. that is what. If the Colts didn't have Jonathan Taylor and they only had Michael Pittman, there'd be no one to stop. In the I mean, there'd be no threat of the run game. Which is why Michael Pittman has Ma- been doing really Mickey good in the Hines. passing game. Mickey Hines is very, very Mickey good. Hines is a pass catching back like J.D. McKissick. He's not. He he's you, also you're, you're a great me. running back. That's okay. why he plays running right. back. I don't want to get off the to Jonathan Taylor's talk, but I just wanted to point that out. Now, what's your biggest disappointment? 
My biggest disappointment is the Dallas Cowboys losing to the Raiders in overtime. The Raiders lost. They lost Dar- Darren Waller to an injury, which he will not be playing this week either. And the Cowboys still could not pull off anything. Dak Prescott on the stat sheet, it looks like he played pretty well. But the running game is what really messed him up. Ezekiel Elliott has had less carries than Tony Pollard. And there was a 31, there was a 30-yard run that was erased by P- Tony Pollard, I believe, by holding penalty. And then Anthony Brown, four pass interference calls. And then CeeDee Lamb out with the concussion. And Amari Cooper out with COVID. It was just a lot to handle. I believe that there was a, a mistake made by the officiating, and especially by Mike McCarthy, though. He should have challenged that fumble by Darren Waller that was called as um, an incomplete pass. I think that that was a very good play by the Cowboys defense, and that was a fumble. He stripped it from him, and he made a football move by carrying the ball. He also took, I think, three steps with the ball in three his Three steps doesn't matter, though. It has to be his football move, and all he did was turn. He was he was starting to turn. He didn't complete the turn. If he completed the turn, then they punched it out. Yes, that is. In but my opinion, didn't. it was a bad call, though. Okay. Because the ball, he was carrying the ball. He took two steps. He was about to put his third foot down. And just because he didn't do a juke or a spin or anything that looks like a football move, he ran with the football. And if he gets that, like, that's like penalizing football players for stripping the ball and making them wait a couple seconds before they can strip the ball, which I think is just unrealistic. And that should not be a rule. I think that that was a strip and that was a good play by the Dallas defense. And that's my disappointment. What's yours, Arv? Okay, my biggest surprise, I think this was many people's surprise, Jalen Hurts completely lost sync with the Eagles' offense. And he he was really, really bad in this game. 14 of 31, 120. Okay, listen to the stats and tell me that. 14 of 31, 129, three picks, and eight carries for 77 yards. Eight carries for 77 yards. So so because someone can rush, it makes them good. Is that what you're saying? Arv, it's okay. All I'm saying is that because he got 77 yards as a quarterback, yes, he didn't have a great day in the passing game, but if you see his stats before, I don't believe he's bad. That's why I said he's not bad, and in this game he did bad, which was a surprise. Now, if your leading pass catcher is your third-string running back, Kenneth Gainwell, three receptions, and he also led with yards, 32 yards, and that's your leading receiver. Well, I mean, the quarterback that is Exactly, that's my point. So you're proving my point that Jalen Hurts did bad. I, like, someone with 30 yards is going to be the leading receiver if you only have 100. So, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. I was surprised. I was disappointed that the Are, Eagles... I offense, understand what you're saying. Exactly. And you, you I understand said, what okay, you're saying. All right. And then, I, I think this was a very winnable game for the Eagles. They The Giants only put up 13 points. That's that's something that you got to capitalize on. My biggest disappointment was the Rams, uh, not just the Rams in total on uh, Sunday against the Packers. The Packers, really, this is like their true form. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 307 yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Dillon led with carries and had 69 yards, which was really, really good compared to Aaron Jones, who only had 23. Devontae Adams came to play. Randall Cobb and Scantling both played big roles in this game. And um, Randall Cobb had four for 95 and a touchdown, and he had to leave the game early. So that shows how, how like, how dominant the Packers were in the past game. Now, the run game for the Rams was the real disappointment. 16 carries for 55 yards for Darrell Henderson. That's not that Cooper bad. Cup. That's not that bad. Really? 
55 yards is not... It's not that far. Okay, it's you not, didn't agree okay. with me. But I, that's what I'm saying. Normally, no, Darrell really. Henderson... Can you listen to me? Darrell Henderson normally is a very good runner. And so that's why I'm surprised... Again, that's why it's called a surprise. Because I'm surprised that this happened. It's not happened your surprise. It's on, your I mean, disappointment. My disappointment. That's why it's so a disappointment. Did, no, 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 no. You just said that it's a surprise. You just admitted that it's a surprise that he didn't play well. It's not a disappointment it can that be he both. only Kansas had 55 yards. It's a disappointment based on what he's been doing this season. Only 55 yards is not based that little. Based on what he's doing this season, it's disappointing. He's not doing only. anything revolutionary this season. He's not. You're telling me he's not been a top 15 running back this season? Top is that 15, what you're telling me? Are you saying that top 15 in one year is revolutionary? It's for the Rams, yes. It makes No, it, it is it, not. Yes, it opens up the passing game. That's why... Cooper the passing Cup game has been so, and that was really? also that's my other disappointment that the Rams passing was not up to par. OBJ had five for eighty one. Cooper Cup at seven for ninety six. Again, both not uh, bad. I think that's listen, up listen, to par. listen. Wait, how many? How many yards both, did? How many yards did Matt Stafford throw? Three hundred two. Both okay, are, are you not telling bad me that over three hundred yards is a disappointment? Are you serious? They're not bad numbers, but the game script, <laughs> the game, the script that the Rams drew up. Was just not really, was just not good for this game. No, you just said about the passing game, and then you just said it wasn't bad. Which one is it? It's which one? It, is it? wasn't bad, but the disappointment is. Okay. Listen to me. The disappointment is a running game, and the disappointment is also the lack, the lack of preparation and the game script on the Rams' part. Explain how there is lack of explain their explain defense. How there is lack of preparation. Their defense. Okay, their defense didn't play perfect. Does that mean every time a defense doesn't play well, it's a lack of preparation? You mean to tell me that uh, this defense didn't play perfect and that's why they lost? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they played average. The Rams defense we so know is a lack is of preparation. You, so because you, they weren't prepared so for Aaron team, Rodgers. If your team played Aaron, anyone against Aaron Rodgers does not does play less than average or average. I All haven't right. seen okay. any defense except I believe the Saints defense in the first game of the season that played above average against Aaron Rodgers. Okay, and I think you would agree with that. Okay, now let's move on to the conference picks and then the Super Bowl picks. So personally, in the NFC, I'm gonna go with the Bucks versus the Rams. I think this is going to be a really, really good game. I think that's exactly the reason why the Rams will be able to fix this. They're on a they're on a skid right now, but the Bucks. We know Tom Brady almost gets there almost every single year. I don't expect that to change this year. And then the Rams with the potent offense and really good defense that they had, which was my disappointment this week, um, last week is. That together will be a really, really good game. I think that the Bucks will actually come out on top because it's Tom Brady. As Skip Bayless says, best you never bet against Tom Brady. And but not only that, the Rams. I mean, uh, I don't think the Rams defense will be able to contain the the weapons that the Bucks have. You you talked about it a little bit. Leonard Fournette, Gronkowski is really, really has been doing very well this Gronkowski, year. Gronkowski, yeah, led the team in exactly. yards last yeah. game. Yeah, and it seems like no one can guard him. Like two games in a row, he's had. Multiple routes where no one is within like 15 yards of him. So I don't know if that's a problem with defense or his route running is suddenly like miraculous or something. But he seems to be getting open a lot more often, and that's really helping for the Bucks. Not to mention their defense has been really, really good, especially against like I mentioned Jonathan Taylor and the kind of player he is. So I think that the Bucks will make it to the Super Bowl in that game, and then on the AFC. I think it's going to be, this is actually tough because there's not that many good AFC teams this year. I think it will be a repeat, I, I think it will be the Bills versus the Chiefs, 
but I do I do think this time that the Bills will come out on top. The reason for that is because the the Bills have added a bunch of wide receiver depth. Cole Beasley was there last year, but now they've added Emmanuel Sanders. They they have one two punch in Matt Breda and um and Devin Singletary. Um Devin Singletary is a one A, Matt Breda is a one B, the pass catching back. And then on their defense, their defense has been very top five this year. It's not even a question. They've been so good this year. So I think they'll be able to stop the Chiefs defense and, and Chiefs offense. But even if they don't, let's say they don't, the Chiefs defense really has, has stepped up as of late, but it's still not up like up to par to stop a potent offense like the Bills. So I think it'll be Bills versus Bucks. And in that game, I think it'll be the Bucks repeating. They've had some struggles this year, but I think their whole team will be able to overcome uh, everything that's happened. So my AFC championship pick is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I believe that Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow will prevail and they will win this game. I know it sounds like a long shot and I think it might be. Are you saying the Bengals are going to make it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it may be a long shot, but I think that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. And then I'll move to my NFC championship picks. I believe it's going to be the Cowboy, the Cowboys versus the Packers. And I think that as a Cowboys fan, unfortunately, the Packers will prevail. And it will be Packers versus the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And my pick to win the Super Bowl is the Green Bay Packers. So Lincoln Riley has gone to USC and Brian Kelly has gone to LSU for both as head coaches. So let's first focus on Lincoln Riley moving to USC. This was a big hiring. Um, Oklahoma. He was hired away from Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is number 13 in the nation right now. They, we know they're a very good football team, and I think it's they've been they've been okay this year. Um, their true freshman Caleb Williams has really came to play, um, and it's we know we all know how good of a coach Lincoln Riley is. 55 and 10 as a head coach, as a head coach. So he's very very successful. He said in his interview he's hoping to bring success back to USC. And USC is a really good program. They should be on top of the division pretty soon. And I think what's more surprising here is the impact Lincoln Riley has in recruitment. So I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but whenever after Lincoln Riley uh, decided that he was going to go to USC, within the next week, and we all, or like that's still this week, but this week we saw a bunch of recruits leaving four and five star recruits decommitting from Oklahoma and some from even other programs decommitting and going to USC because of Lincoln Riley moving. I think that speaks volumes to the coach and to the caliber of like how the player, let's just say players coach or the kind of person that Lincoln Riley has an impact or is and the kind of impact he has on players. To to have that power when you switch programs to bring your recruits with you, that's insanity. That's that's crazy. And again, this that's exactly the reason why this hiring for uh, USC makes perfect sense. It's a really good deal for USC, and they're they're trying to climb back on top after their a couple years ago when they were known as a very good team, and they still are. But they're trying to be on top of the division, and this is how you start that. Now moving to Brian Kelly being hired from Notre Dame. Notre Dame this year was number six. They were eleven and one. They were on a seven game win streak to end the season. So there we know again, we know the talent that um Brian Kelly has as a head coach, especially in coaching Notre Dame. Now the the real debate here is is LSU better than Notre Dame? Arsh, what do you think about that? I think that 
Notre Dame is better than LSU this year. But the oh, pers- let's focus on the job then, on the as a head coaching job. Which one is a bigger deal? I think it's a bigger deal that to be the head coach of Notre Dame. It's just such a big program and such. It's well, it's that's a hard question. This year, I think it's definitely Notre Dame. But yes. I, since what Ed Oregon did over there, it's just been amazing to see how LSU has become almost another powerhouse. So I think that LSU is a better program for Brian Kelly, but this year Notre Dame was the better team. Um, I, I disagree. You said LSU is the better program, like I, the better head coaching job. Yeah, to go, it, it would be better to okay. be a head coach for LSU over Notre Dame, as in like the prestige. Okay. I but dis- not not I this disagree. This year, I think that it would be okay. better to be. I'm, Notre I'm not going to focus on this year. I'm just going to focus on in general. Yeah, I in general, dis- I would choose dis- LSU. I disagree. I would choose Notre Dame. The reason for that is Ed Orgeron, again, a very, very good coach. Brian Kelly signed a 10-year, $9.5 million per year deal with incentives. But Ed Orgeron is a very good coach, and that's the reason why I would argue LSU was good. LSU was good because they got recruits like Joe Burrow, like Justin Jefferson, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They got those recruits, I would argue, because of Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron was gone. LSU was not even ranked in the top 25 this year. That's the impact that that recruits have on a program. Brian Kelly, I don't think personally, does not have that caliber of like recruitment, like say like those big coaches have. Ed Orgeron, Lincoln Riley, Nick Saban, those types of coaches have power of recruitment. Brian Kelly has a little bit of that, especially just because he's a Notre Dame coach and because he was at Notre Dame. But at L- and I agree, Notre Dame is a better recruitment place to go. Because it's their head coach. Now it's not their head coach. But their whole culture is better. LSU uh, hinges on the recruits. Notre Dame is consistently good. They're always in the top. They're not always. But they're usually in the top 25. And their team is usually very good. And that doesn't matter with who's the coach. Who's the coaching staff. Or the recruits. It matters about the culture there. And that's why I think Notre Dame is a better coaching job to have as opposed to LSU, because LSU really depends on the recruits and the kind of players you have running that team. And now for our weekly segment, two brothers, two picks to help you guys win your fantasy games this week. My first pick this week is Derek Carr, only rostered in about 68% of leagues. He's the number 12th ranked quarterback this year, and he's averaging 17.5 points. Now gets the worst pass defense in the NFL to, uh, to quarterbacks. So he should have a really good day, especially with the fact that Josh, we know Josh Jacobs is like an average, maybe a little bit above average running back. So they're running the Pro Bowl last year, didn't he? Oh, uh, I believe so. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm just saying that their run game isn't what they're known for. They're known for their pass game. And Derek Carr has been, been able to do a bunch of really, really good things with, in the pass game without Henry Ruggs and without a bunch of wide receivers. And now we know that they're a depleted wide receiver core. And Deshaun Jackson's really had to step up, which has been great to see. Um, but even even with all those factors, um, he's playing a very bad defense, so lock him in as your QB1. And then my second pick is um, going to be Foster Moreau. He's, play- he's also playing Washington, also on the Raiders. And he, last time he filled in for Derek Carr, I mean, not for Derek Carr, for Darren Waller, he had six catches for six, six catches on six targets for 60 yards and a touchdown. He's very reliable. 
when he needs to come in for these situations. But not only that, he gets a, it's not a really good good matchup either. It's not a really bad either for tight ends. So he is a very, very good player. We know that. We've seen when he, he steps up when it's needed. And now, I think, because Darren Waller's been ruled out, I think he'll, he'll, this, Foster Moreau, especially with the fact that the, like I was saying earlier, Darren Waller's been their number one tight end. I mean, their number one uh, receiver. They don't really have that many wide receivers. So Foster Moreau should have a big role. I expect about eight targets this game. So my first pick is going to be Russell Gage, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, arguably the number one wide receiver. He caught a season-high six balls in Week 12 for 62 yards and a touchdown. He got 18.2 points. And in Week 7, he had 16.7. In Week 9, he had 13.4. So he's been playing very, very well. And I think that he will play great again this week against Tampa Bay with their very, very depleted secondary. And I think that he is... His boom percentage for ESPN Fantasy is above 20 points. I believe he will get pretty close to 20 points. I don't think he'll go above. And my second pick is Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants. He is only rostered in 28.8% of leagues, but he is projected 9.1 points this week. I believe he'll get more than that with the touchdown. Uh, and he, I think that he'll do very well. He has not been playing the best, but it's... His boom percentage is only above 12.1 points. I almost, I think that there's like about a 90% chance he gets above 12 Even points. with the recent struggles he's been playing with? Yeah. Like, and like the drops and everything? Yeah. I still think he was a pro bowler last year. I think he's just trying to get back into that shape. And I think that he will be, he will definitely boom this week. And my first pick, once again, is Russell Gage, Atlanta wide receiver. And my second pick is Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants. And my two picks were Derek Carr and Foster Moreau, both on the uh, Raiders playing the Washington football team. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports podcast. If you guys enjoy what you hear, consider subscribing. It's free. Also consider leaving us a like. It goes a long way to help promote our channel and helps us get our viewers out there. So thank you guys so much. Also, consider leaving us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you tell us a subject you'd like us to talk about, we may feature you guys in the next episode. Until next time, we're the two brothers in their sports podcast, Deuces.